Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us on another episode of the Young Codgers Podcast. We've got a fantastic one on deck for you today. On today's episode, I'm joined by my good friend Sophie. Sophie is a pilot, a flight instructor, a patriot, and just an awesome individual through and through. Sophie and I have been friends for almost five years now, so it was great to sit down and have a conversation with her about topics that we've talked about in the past and topics that we continue to discuss to this day. On this episode, we discuss some topics from a woman's perspective of what godly masculinity looks like and why it's so important, such as why masculine fathers are so important in a woman's life, what roles women play in encouraging and empowering men to embrace their masculinity, what it means to be a man, as well as a few other topics such as what the term toxic masculinity has done to our society, being a strong father figure, how men and women are equal but different, and what it looks like to be a strong yet humble leader. Guys, I really think you're going to enjoy this episode as much as I did. So with that said, let's jump into it. All right, guys, thanks for joining us on another one. Um, As y'all might have heard in the intro, Zach is out of town this week uh, in the beautiful state of Wyoming. So I thought this would be the perfect time to have our first guest on the podcast. Um, Our first guest is one of my great friends and someone that I hold uh, in high regard and is just downright an awesome individual. So I'm happy to introduce you all to Sophie. How are you doing, Sophie? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. This is really cool. Yeah, absolutely. It's been been a long time coming and, uh, you know, you're at the wedding and helped us out with that and everything. And and we'll kind of get into how we met and everything like that here in a second, but, um, super stoked to have you on. And you know what guys, our first guest is a chick. So (laughs) guess y'all, y'all didn't beat her to it. So (laughs) we'll, uh, rock and roll. But, uh, before we get too deep into it, Sophie, I got to ask in typical, uh, young codger fashion, what's your favorite coffee, uh, and or what coffee have you been vibing with lately or whiskey or both doesn't matter okay uh, well I'm definitely a coffee and a whiskey girl um, I'm a big fan of a cortado that's what I get at coffee shops yep um, I remember that yes if they can't make a good cortado I won't be back um, I'm Hot also take. <laughs> I drink cold brew like it's water so yeah um and then favorite whiskey i'm really been into like jefferson's reserve lately and then i drink quite a bit of tx so there you go there you go oh any certain brand of coffee like any certain like i know some people are well especially around here onyx is pretty big Mm -hmm. and in the coffee world onyx is pretty big i'm more of an airship guy myself but you know, is there a certain brand you feel a loyalty to? Okay, actually, I'd be remiss if I didn't say Black Rifle. The uh, the Fit Fuel. Mm. I've not had that one. Oh, you got to try it. Before a workout, just like the insane amount of Ooh. caffeine. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like a caffeine IV. So, uh, hot recommendation there. But That's awesome. Um, I drink a lot of Chameleon cold brew. That's a bigger Texas thing. I live in Arkansas now. I think it's an Austin company and they have like a cold brew coffee concentrate that you just dilute with water. Yes. Yep. I've heard of it. I really like them. I've been drinking them for a long time. Um, We love our Texas folks for sure. 
Yes, you bet. And I haven't been able to find it up here in Arkansas, so mm. maybe I'll have to order some. Yeah, Arkansas is, you know, all the good drinks come from Texas, like the ranch <laughs> waters. You yes. know, I just, I love the OG stuff, but the um, Lone River Ranch, I think, are the ones that were only in Texas and Oklahoma. And I had to drive like 45 minutes to an hour just to get them. Well, now they're finally in Arkansas. Nice. But Texas gets all the good drinks first. So kind of jealous. Sure we just so, feel better out there. Yeah. But to say all that, welcome to the Arkansas life. Um, obviously y'all don't know this, but Sophie just moved to Arkansas and we're happy to have her, um, closer. Definitely. Casey and I are very glad to have you about what, two and a half, almost three hours closer than before. So absolutely looking forward to throwing down Arkansas style. So, (laughs) well guys, um, we'll kind of get into it. Um, but just a couple of notes before that, um, guys, we had a lot of people reach out to us this week over Instagram and email and things like that. Even text, personal text messages that Zach and I both received, um, sharing people's feedback and encouragement that they listen to the show, um, I was telling somebody the other day, I'm going to be quite honest. I kind of thought that this would fall on deaf ears and that I'd post it on my personal account and people would be like, Oh, whatever, you know, it it is what it is and not really support it. But from, there's been a lot of people that have reached out and the support has been uh, actually overwhelming. And I don't just say that to like try to hype it up or anything. Like I genuinely saying that I'm extremely appreciative and Zach is as well of, the support that you guys have thrown our way and, you know, the things that you guys have said about the mission and what we're setting out to do. So I just want you all to know that we appreciate that from the bottom of our hearts. A couple of things real quick. If you guys want to follow us on Instagram, which I would be very appreciative if you would, so you can stay up to date with uh, when we post episode, it's at Young Codgers Podcast, no spaces, no uh, capitals, no anything. And then, uh, we'd like for you guys to send us any questions that you might have. And that email will be askcodgers at youngcodgers.com or, uh, for any general inquiries, info at youngcodgers.com. So with all of that said, we'll jump into it. So Sophie and I met, um, back in 2017. So what, almost five years ago now, yeah, we're old now. Yeah, we're old now. Um, five years ago, and we met at Laterno University down in East Texas, which none of you probably know where that is. But um, we were both both attended there for a brief time, uh, studying aviation. Um, that's something I didn't mention in the About Us slash intro podcast is that I'm a big aviation guy. I didn't quite take it to the extent that Sophie did, but love me some aviation and hold my pilot private pilot's license. And that's been a really fun, uh, experience in life to learn how to fly and and follow in the footsteps of some of the, the previous generations. But anyways, so from the get go, Sophie and I 
just kind of hit it off. I think it was uh, me and Nate and some of my roommates were going to the like opening festivities for lack of better words. At that point, I was technically a sophomore in college, like time wise, but credit wise, like a second semester freshman. So basically call it a freshman and we were hanging out and going to the uh, intro kind of stuff. And Sophie and I just kind of hit it off. I think it was over like icebreaker type games. It was and, his Subaru. Yeah, it was about the Subarus. And yeah. so at the time I had a Subaru WRX, um, which is probably one of the vehicles I regret the most getting rid of. Um, but yeah, at the time I had a Subaru WRX and I think it was like one of those ice stupid, like icebreaker things where, well, what kind of car do you have? Or I don't know, something like that. And <laughs> Sophie raised her hand and she had a Subaru, the old Outback. Um, and for whatever reason that just sparked a conversation. And then we kind of bonded over, uh, guns and, cars and as i would like to say being the few quote-unquote normal people at that uh school <laughs> so probably the so, most socialized out of our yeah, group and so yeah, we could just I, talk to each other and it was the conversation would flow and we just got to know yeah, each other through that for sure yeah i wouldn't call myself normal by any means but <laughs> yeah i guess the best uh socially capable in that scenario so um but yeah enough about that um sophie if you don't mind kind of introduce yourself and uh tell us a little bit about yourself absolutely well my name is sophie i'm currently working as a flight instructor so i'm teaching people how to fly um i'm also an instrument flight instructor and i'm soon to be multi-engine flight instructor and I grew up in Grapevine, Texas. I went to school out in Longview for a year. Hopped on up into the armpit of Oklahoma, known as Durant, <laughs> down in yep. southeastern. Uh, graduated <laughs> the Dirty D. That's what we call the it. The Dirty D. <laughs> and so, uh, graduated from there uh, about a, two months ago with my bachelor's of science and my flight instructor certificate and a whole bunch of hours, and ended up getting the golden the golden um, opportunity for instruction up here um, yeah. in Arkansas. And so picked up my whole life within about two weeks and moved up here. And it's been an absolute mm -hmm. blessing and I've been having a blast. So, yeah, that's awesome. Um, for those of y'all that don't know the process of becoming even a CFI, um, let alone a CFII or a MEI, like to put it in perspective, to get your private pilot's license, most people solo what between 50 and 65 hours ish, or not, I'm sorry, not solo check ride, check ride. Right. Um, between, you know, 45 to 60 something hours. Am mm -hmm. I far off on that? No, not at all. So you've got um, your private license usually comes about 50 hours of flight time. Yep. Um, I currently have 350 hours of flight time, so mm -hmm. it's uh, like way more than 24 consecutive days in an airplane. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and that really puts it in perspective because so, right. and I don't say this to brag at all, um, but my flight instructor told me when I 
went to my check ride for my private that I was one of the quickest to check ride students that he had ever had. And mm-hmm. I think I went into my check ride at like 43, 45 hours, something like that. Yeah, so, that's like the bare minimum. That's and that's really nothing. Good. Like for wow. you, like for people that don't understand, like 45 hours in an airplane is nothing. Like, <laughs> so I say all that to say, like to be a CFI and CFII and then close, getting close to your MEI, like that's, you know that's a huge, huge accomplishment. And, um, people don't understand, you know, that people hop on an airplane every day to travel various places, not knowing that the guy that's flying the plane has hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of hours. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it's not a quick process. It's not a easy process. So, um, what Sophie's been able to, to tackle here is no small feat. And, uh, that was my end goal at one point, but kind of got lost in the sauce of everybody and their little brother deciding they wanted to be pilots at that time. And, uh, it didn't work out for me the same way that it did Sophie, but I got my private and that was something that I always wanted to have and, um, was a fun process. So, you know, maybe get the instrument one day and, and, like to have a little plane to put around in and take vacays in and stuff. But, uh, but yeah, so Sophie's, Sophie's mowing down the list here as far as a career in aviation. So, um, that leads me into my next question. So what inspired you to become a pilot in the first place? Well, I've been so lucky to be born into it. So I'm actually a third generation pilot. Um, following mm-hmm. in my grandpa's footsteps, my dad and his brother got to go to flight school. Um, and right around 17, I grew up around it, watching my dad. He's an airline pilot. Um, watched him fly, loved the lifestyle. I used to sit in his flight bag wearing his little pilot cap, and I would That's pretend awesome. that his flight bag was a plane. That's awesome. Uh, Thank you. And so whenever I got to be 17, I uh, asked my dad, I said, hey, is flight school on the table? Because I hadn't really shown a ton of interest in pursuing it as a career because I didn't really know if it's possible. Mm-hmm. And he said, absolutely. And we looked up a couple of places to go and how to do it. And um, I was blessed with an amazing education, such a big opportunity yeah. for me um, and have been working really hard to make the best out of it. So it's just been a lifelong love for me. It's a passion. Um, it's also my family's passion. So it's really cool to be able to share that with them. Yeah, absolutely. I think I can really relate to that as well. Um, with, well, you've, you know, you know, my grandfather and, and, you know, kind of his background, he was a pilot and his dad was a pilot, uh, came back from World War one, I believe, and bought a biplane and flew around the country. And kind of funny short story. I, Sophie, I believe you know this story, but um, my, I guess that would have been my great grandfather on my mom's side, came back from the war, bought a biplane with his buddy, and they had a chicken that they would drop out of the airplane with a parachute. And, you know, everybody's heard the term, you know, barnstorming and all of that back in the day. Um, but they would fly over these little towns and they dropped the chicken out of the, 
out of the biplane and people would gather around and then they'd land in a field and then they'd fly under bridges and do air shows and stuff like that. So that of course created the, the seed in my grandfather's mind of the love of aviation. And then, uh, it through, throughout his career of, of higher education and collegiate leadership landed at a university that was, you know, their two biggest majors were aviation and engineering. And, and so of course, given the opportunity to, to put his butt in an airplane as much as he could, he took full advantage of that. Um, and so I remember going to visit them as a kid and he'd take us out to the hangar on, on the weekends and let us climb in the airplanes and, and, uh, you know, the, you'll know what I'm talking about, Sophie, the, the graveyard around the side of the hangar with the old, Mm -hmm. with the old air force jet and everything, you know, that East Texas heat, just climbing in there and feeling baked. But like, that's (laughs) just, that was so, um, formative of my childhood of I was grown up or brought up rather around aviation. And I just, I always thought it was cool. And, um, you know, don't even get me started about the new Top Gun. Like, oh man. Oh my goodness. Incredible. Uh, So arguably, okay. So until this point, and we're, we're going to get off on a tangent here, but I'll I'll bring it (laughs) back. I promise. Um, don't worry, Zach. I'll bring it back. I promise. Um, <laughs> Zach's so concise and I'm so like drawn out. Um, but so I thought until this point, it was a tie for me between American Sniper and I would say American Sniper, the original Top Gun, and Lone Survivor were mm-hmm. like my top three in no particular order. But I agree with that. the new Top Gun, oh my gosh. It was like, incredible. It. I my- was so afraid, so afraid that like everything that happens in our day, they were going to ruin it. Mm-hmm. I really, I really had my doubts. But you talk about just like a patriotic American feel good movie it checks all the boxes. My little brother Grant and I went to go see it. And I swear we were like hanging on to each other's arms Mm -hmm. and looking at each other with this like super, just, I mean, like gasp on our face the entire movie. So I took myself to go see it for a second time. And I found myself like gripping onto the seat and like wanting to like lean into who I was, who I was sitting next to. But my brother wasn't there. So this poor chick next to me was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I said, I'm American. This is my movie. <laughs> I love it. Well, it's like even so, well, you know, this, that movie is my like sit down and veg out and like have a glass of whiskey or a beer kind mm-hmm. of movie. And that first like bell ring on the intro song to that movie is like, it gives me goosebumps. And I went into that theater and they kind of like redid, you know, the Top Gun anthem and everything. And like that whole movie, I like, okay, I'm going to bring it back now. But if you guys haven't seen that movie, you're doing yourself a disservice by not going to see it. So go see the new Top Gun. Anyways, um, so that's a little bit about Sophie. 
um, kind of her background and, and her career path. And I think that runs right along with what we've Zach and I have talked about from the get go of having conversations with men and women who push the envelope in their careers and passions and convictions. So speaking of uh, along the lines of the mission of this podcast and kind of getting into that, um, we're going to have a conversation with Sophie about why masculinity is so important uh, from a women's perspective. And I think that's a very unique perspective that a lot of these um, male geared podcasts miss is having uh, female perspectives along the lines of masculinity and, and what that looks like. So um, let's get into it. My first question for you, Sophie, is why are fathers so important in a woman's life? With like with everything in our world right now surrounding quote-unquote toxic masculinity and all of that, what you know, I'd really like to know what your um, thoughts are on why fathers, especially involved fathers, are so important in uh, the life of a, a young woman. So, absolutely. Um, well, I get aviation from my father, but I also get a lot of a lot of who I am. I credit, you know, most of who I am to my parents. Absolutely, and mm-hmm. more so, my dad. I just grew up really looking up to him. He served as a really strong. Um, passionate, patient, and driven father for our family. You know, we went through some really hard times and he really got us through the end and saw to it that we made it there in one piece. Um, My parents' marriage is something that I really admire in the way that my mother honors my father and the way that my father treats my mother respectfully. Mm. And also the way that my father raised me um, was that I... I was, I am no different as a woman than a man in terms of um, being equal. Men and women are created equal. We are divinely designed to have these differences in how we operate and how we think and what our tendencies are. Um, But that doesn't make me any less. And then if I want to do something that a man is doing, like fly a plane, then I can go do that. And to not tolerate any disrespect that comes with that. And to hold my ground and be patient and understanding and passionate in what I'm doing um, and not let, you know, members of the opposite sex take away my advances and things like that just because they try to discredit me because I'm a woman. And Mm. so um, my father made a huge difference in my life. And growing up, it broke my heart seeing little girls my age who didn't have that same relationship with their father. And in terms of godly masculinity, that man led our family. He got baptized around the age of 40, right in front of me as a child. I mean, that just, I mean, that was amazing to see. Absolutely. I actually got baptized before my dad did, believe it or Mm -hmm. not. Um, And so just to watch him lead the family and to take us to church and to tithe and to set that example was so big for us. Yeah. That's yeah. And I think you like, I, first of all, um, I can a hundred percent back that up on every level because I've met your dad and I've spent not a ton of time, but enough time around your dad to know the type of man that he is. And I think what you said about him being patient is very descriptive of your father. And I think should be more descriptive of more men in our society. 
Um, your dad's very stoic. Um, he's very, um, yeah, I think just patient. His career has been a perfect example of that. And just the way that I've seen him interact with you and your brother, Grant, and your mom, he's, he's patient and he's stoic, but he's not, he's not a hard ass either. He's a very funny, very genuine guy. And I think a lot of men have a problem adopting that kind of mindset that like, Hey, I can be stoic and I can be patient and still be a fun guy to be around, you know? Um, and I think, you know, the perfect example of that is, you know, you being baptized before your dad, you know, the, the Bible doesn't say, Oh, that a father should be baptized before, you know, his daughter or anything. But by Mm -hmm. the same token, like that just shows how intentional your dad is about, you know, Hey, in order for me to lead the family the way that I need to as a, as a godly man is I need to make that public profession of my faith in front of my daughter and in front of my son and my, and my wife of, Hey, my faith is important to me and I'm going to be baptized. And so I think that that's very huge. And I can a hundred percent agree with you there on that. Having, you know, known your dad for several years and, um, something I really wanted to hit on, on that was what you said about that women are created equal, but were designed to be different from men. And I think this reigns true in a lot of scenarios in our culture right now. Different does not mean that you aren't equal. Let me say that again. Being equal does not mean that you cannot be different. And I think that has become so ingrained in our society or or the opposite of that, rather, of like, if you're different, you're not equal. And that everyone has to be equal and everyone has to be the same, which it then at that point, by making men, men and women equal you're not acknowledging that like they're different and that women have a different touch and a different perspective to bring on life than men do. And I think we've really missed that as a society is that like equal doesn't mean that you're not going to be different. And if, you know, if I got tongue tied on that and, and mix it up, I apologize guys. But what I'm getting at here. So for the record is that men and women are created equal, but that doesn't mean that we're not different. And those differences in one another bring out positives and lift each other up in other aspects. So equal, (laughs) but it's okay to be different. Like, I just think that that's something that's so over overlooked. Um, Sophie, what do you think is uniquely different about men and women in, in, in like a pot? Like what do women have to bring to the table that men either lack in or aren't designed to 
do or think or mm -hmm. feel or whatever? Like what's something that you think, you know, women bring to the table that enhances a male's role in society? Absolutely. Um, the first things that jump to mind are emotion and empathy. Um, mm -hmm. Women off the bat tend to be a lot more emotional. This is a conversation I was having with um, one of the owners of the place of my place of work right now. Yeah. And I was, we were talking about how women in interactions, we form these emotional responses to things. Right. And, it, and men don't. So if someone says something that is kind of out of pocket or something like that, we form this emotional kind of reaction inside and right. we relate everything emotionally. Mm -hmm. Men may not pick up on that, you know, like that, but men notice a lot more physical things, a lot more body language, a lot more, um, yep. it, they're a lot more, you guys are a lot more tactile and we're a lot more in terms of emotion, uh, just like emotionally adept than men. Yeah. Um, women, I, I honestly believe like we're, we're made to soften men as men 100%. are made to strengthen us. Yep. And so that difference between women being a little bit more emotional and men being a little bit more, you know, lacking empathy, those right. equal out and every, with every difference, you know, those things can, we can learn from each other. Those are all learning moments of mm -hmm. me maybe making a little bit too much of an emotional reaction and having a man kind of be like, listen, I think we're taking this a little bit too far, but we can meet in the middle and we can think about it this way instead. Yeah. And the converse of that, you know, a man completely brushing something off that doesn't need to be brushed off. The woman can bring that up and say, you know, hey, this actually matters because of A, B, and C. And we really should be a little bit more worked up about that. Guilty and so is charged. Right. <laughs> I'm the same way. And so, um, but emotions and empathy are what women bring to the table yeah. and kind of can fill and soften men in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's, that's an awesome answer. And I think um, in our society right now, we're seeing the extremes of everything, right? Um, and so I think that and this is going to lead perfectly into what I want to talk about next is um, I think when you go to the extreme ends of any scenario or circumstance, there's always, you know, too much of something. And I think that's where as a society, men and women both like hear me on that guys, men and women, both not just women have led men to be overly empathetic, overly emotional. And the men in our society have adopted. It's not a, I have a woman in my life that equalizes my lack of empathy and lack of emotion. It's I have had a woman in my life that has taught me to only think out of emotion and over, over, uh, or in a surplus of empathy. Um, I love that. That's well yeah, said. like it's, you know, people say too much of a, of a good thing is never a bad thing. But I think in the scenario that we're talking about here, I think it really is like men and women are made to be created perfectly equal, right? Not for a man to act like a woman, you know, 50% of the time or adopt the, 
emotional slash psychological tendencies of women. God put women in our lives to balance us out, not to create another woman in us. Um, psychologically speaking. Um, so that leads perfectly into the next question I have for you here is what role do you think women play in encouraging and or empowering men to embrace their masculinity? I think we can play a huge role in it. I think it starts with raising the standards for men. Um, toxic mm. masculinity and the, the whole culture we have today has diluted manhood down, I mean, to almost nothing. Like you have all yeah. these men walking around who see something happening and you know want to protect or want to provide, but stop themselves for fear of being demonized because they're acting yeah. on something that's you know divinely designed into them. Um, yep. so us as women can, we can start by demanding more, you know, in a, in a very respectful way, but we need to raise the bar for what we accept and what, how we're going to be treated and what, um, we're going to call our men, the men in our lives to do for us. And in that same way, men need to do that for women in return. So by mm-hmm. allowing a man to step into like his masculine, a more masculine, godly state, and allowing him to act and lead and provide and protect that challenges us as women to step into that more of emotional nurturing role yeah. to take care of the home, to take care of our community and our church and just make sure that we're making that place a home and comfortable in this beautiful, loving environment that needs to be protected. And then that's the man's role, you know, yeah. to also lead that and protect it. So those things work hand in hand. And in the same way that we can challenge men, I really challenge, I challenge men to raise the bar for us as well. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah, I honestly, guys, I couldn't think of a better way to put it than that. Um, and you, you, you kind of bring up a good point and I'll, you know, give credit where credit's due. Um, Ryan Mickler, who, started the order of man podcast that's like the order of man mantra is protect provide provide preside protect provide preside and you literally like hit the nail on the head right there on that is that is a man's role regardless of what society will tell you it is that is a man's role that's especially a uh, godly man's role in in life and I think like I couldn't have said it better myself and and I'm so glad you emphasize this that when a man feels empowered by his spouse, by his soon to be spouse, girlfriend, whatever it is, and you know, we'll talk in, in future episodes about uh the difference in showing up as a boyfriend in a relationship versus a husband in a relationship because there are some some big uh, differentiating uh, factors there. Regardless, um, I think you're 100% right, Sophie, is that we've diluted what it means to be a man. And um, I think it's one of those things where, as a society, it's, well, I don't want the inconvenient parts of dealing with a man, so I don't want to deal with a man at all. But then when the world goes to hell in a handbasket because we don't have men standing up 
and protecting and and doing their job as a man, then we have all these people, men included, in our society going, well, what the hell happened? What? Why, why do we have all these mass shootings? Why do we have all of these uh, robberies? Why is crime rampant? Why is gun violence rampant? Why, you know, why this? Why that? Because you've diluted men into nothing. And that's the problem is there's no more nurturing from women. There's no more, hey, I want to be the best woman I can be for you, which is a byproduct of that encourages you to be the best man that you can be for me, for our family and for the world. Right. Absolutely. Preach. Like, like, am I far off on that? Not at all. I mean, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. That's so big, you know? Absolutely. Um, so just to kind of dive a little bit deeper into that, um, what does, what does godly masculinity do for women in, in your opinion? Uh, yeah. So I think in the same way that I just explained it, it allows us to step into our role. So by both, both sides of this equation, raising our standards, not only are we challenging men, men are also challenging us. Um, it, it empowers women essentially. Um, and that's the biggest thing. Which is so counterintuitive to (laughs) right now. Um, yeah, sorry to interrupt, but like, that's just, okay. it's complete opposite of, of where we're at as a society right now. So, and I think we've really found ourselves in this position because of the lack of opposition between sexes right now. And we just, yeah. women don't expect anything from men and men barely expect anything from women and everything, sex, you know, money, whatever you nope. want is so so available everywhere you can just you know if you can't get a date on one app you get to it you go to another and yeah if they're not willing to put out on the first date you just go to the next person on the list so um, yeah. yeah us as you know as women we need to men need to raise their standards for us but we also need to we need to step into that as well mm-hmm. and make sure that we are protecting ourselves and making the right choices and um pursuing and loving the right men and yeah. that's a whole other thing but yeah i mean we could talk about that for hours <laughs> um but i think you're 100 percent right and you know to the guys listening to this you know it's our job to empower the women in our lives to step into their feminine roles and like sophie said foster community and family and and church environments and, you know, before we go pointing the finger at, well, women have, um, you know, emasculated us into nothing, which in a lot of cases is true, but in just as many cases, men have told women that I don't care what you have to think about me because you don't like me anyways. And guys, step up and empower the women in your lives. Because when you are empowering the women in your lives, you're going to see them step up in ways that you have never seen them step up before because you're doing your job. You're doing your job by encouraging her to step into what she was designed by God to do. And that is to foster community with your family and with other families and with friends to take care of your family and to be involved in the church. And, and a woman plays a vital role in all of those scenarios 
a woman plays a vital role in every scenario in life. So before we go pointing the fingers at, well, you know, the feminist movement and the, you know, you know, emasculation of society is we also have some self-identification to, uh, to, to point the blame back at us right now as well. And, um, to quote Andy Frisella, who's, you know, I listen to his podcast on a daily basis and really respect him as an entrepreneur and stuff like, and I totally agree with him when he says this, like, I see a ton of women stepping up right now, like politically, um, school board meetings and stuff like that. I see a lot of women like really stepping up and taking initiative and not a lot of dudes. Um, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I, I would agree with Andy's sentiment on that. Like there's a lot of ladies that are like tired of it, that, that like mama bear um, instinct is kind of kicking in and they're like, uh, uh-uh. uh, like you can sit here and you can preach about this, that, and the other all day long. But when you're sexualizing my children, when mm-hmm. you're abusing my children, when you're teaching, when you're filling my kids head full of crap, mm-hmm. uh, on an education, you know, level, like, no, that's where I draw the line. And that mama bear instinct comes in and like, there's a lot of ladies that are really stepping up to the plate. And I think men are, uh, kind of using that as, as an excuse to like, kind of step out of the, of the, uh, the line of fire for lack of better words of like, Oh, well, if, if y'all are going to handle it, then I'll just sit right here on the sideline and, and let y'all handle it. Uh, and that's that's not not the way to go. So women flourish when we're protected and provided for. If Amen. what men can do for us We can stop is- the podcast right there and y'all will know everything <laughs> you need to know right there. Exactly. So what men can do for us is protect us, provide for us, um, make us feel comfortable and like like you said, with all these women stepping up, you know, I find myself in I have found myself growing up in all these crazy situations, mm-hmm. speaking out, protecting people. And not that I have a problem doing that, but this will be like in group situations where I'm like, shouldn't a man be handling this right now? Yes. Right. You know? Yep. So, you know, that that's what women want. Even strong women, which I consider myself a, a pretty strong, outspoken yeah. Um, character. Yeah, um, pretty absolutely. Crazy. But... I come off as very strong and independent and providing for myself and protective mm-hmm. and all these things. But and I what does that do for the guys in your life though? Like a lot of those guys are intimidated by that when Absolutely. they should, when they should embrace it. Right. Absolutely. And I've seen that firsthand with the way that men interact with you. Like, mm-hmm. uh, to provide context, we, both kind of like started getting into to the old Dallas Stars hockey kind of around like the same time and like kind of taking an interest in that. And mm-hmm. we'd go to hockey games in Dallas because it was, you know, a couple hours from where we were going to school, come to Dallas for the weekend, see a hockey game. And some dude would pipe up and say some shit and you would put him in his place and they would not know how to like, they would not know what to do. Right. And I or, don't, you know, necessarily have an issue with that but whenever it comes you'll see women like that right women like me i'm not the only one out here doing this no definitely not what we want and what we long for and what the missing piece for us is is a strong man that will step up to equalize it 
protected yeah. and safe so that I don't always have to claw tooth and nail to get some respect around here, you know? That's what I, I was getting at. I feel yep. respected. Exactly. Yep. D- guys, don't let women feel like they have to command respect from every other guy in their life but you. You should be empowering them to know that at the end of the day, if no one else... um. Okay, let me let me back up real quick. The only person I need respect from is my heavenly father and my husband. Like that's where you, that's guys, that's how you should be stepping up in your uh marriages and and with your wife is like Sophie said, there's nothing wrong with being the quote-unquote alpha female and like there's a reason that so many men are afraid of that is because they're passive. Every guy that's ever been turned off or like taken, quote unquote, offense to the way that you conduct yourself and carry yourself, Sophie, is because they're passive men. And 100% to your point, you as men need to be stepping up and protecting your spouse so that she can feel like that she doesn't have to constantly be... um fighting off the wolves for lack of better words. Absolutely. Um, and you said that a lot better than I did, but I just, I, I felt like I'd be doing a disservice if, if I didn't spend a little bit more time on that. Cause I think that's so crucial regardless of the personality that your wife has guys, uh, especially the guys out there that have a very outspoken alpha type personality, step up and be the alpha male and be the leader in your marriage and uh, watch what happens to your wife and watch how she blossoms and trust you in a way that you've never seen before. So uh, I feel it. like we've summed that up pretty well. Yes. So this is going to be something that I'm going to ask all of my guests on the podcast, regardless of whether they're a guy or, or a lady. Um, And I know that a lot of the podcasts that are kind of in this sphere of masculinity and manly podcasts and stuff like this all ask this question. Um, But I think it's important. So Sophie, to you, um, what does it mean to you to be a man? What what is a man defined as or, or, or what does it look like to be a man in your opinion? Well, for starters, uh, somebody with XY sex chromosomes. I'm just ding, like to ding, throw ding, that ding, ding. <laughs> A little bit of science for you. Um, well, but it's my me- truth, though. That's my truth. Not, no, it's my truth. <laughs> okay. Whatever <laughs> happens, you sleep at night. No, it's the it truth. Change your chromosomes. It's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So, to me, I think a man. Uh, three words that come to mind are strong, humble, and protective. Mm. And, you know, humble and strong are kind of opposing yeah. um, adjectives there. Yeah. But I believe that men should strive to not only be strong leaders, but also be humble. Um, you'll look wow. at some of, you know, look at any of the, of the largest, you know, biggest leaders in the world, um, the most notable ones. The thing that the common denominator between all of them is humility and the fact that Absolutely. number one, you know, they understand that their position 
and the respect that comes along with it, but they're also not afraid to admit when they're wrong. They also submit to God because, you know, as the head of the family, you're still, you're on top, but you're really not because you've got God straight above you. Right. So being humble and being able to, you know, bow your head and really submit um, to God and just pray on and lead your family in faith is huge too. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's awesome. Those all strong, humble, and protective all work together in my, in my experience and what I've seen from some of the, you know, the, the best men in my life and the men that have loved me the most, you know, strength, humility, and protectiveness. Yeah. I think that's, you know, we, we talk about all the time of, you know, in order to be an effective leader, you have to be a humble leader. And I think, really what defines that is adopting uh going back to what we talked about earlier in this in this uh podcast is adopting a sense of stoicism is that the last thing the world needs when the sky's falling is a emotional or overreactive man in that scenario and in almost every scenario i've ever seen in my life is level heads prevail. Um, I think that women do a fantastic job of equalizing that of, okay, well, yeah, but what about the kids? Yeah, but what about this? Yeah, but what about that? Like women do a fantastic job. And, And admittedly, and this is something that Casey and I have a conversation about all the time is like, I struggle with empathy because I'm a very pragmatic uh, person. And I think in most cases, you are dealt the hand that you give yourself. And there are hands that you're dealt that you have no control over. I'm not talking about that. But I think simply put, we have a lot more control over our life and our outcomes than we think we do. You know, it going back to what we talked about uh, at church at my church this Sunday was that women are to submit to their husbands as their sounding board, as their emotional support, as their, their everything. But it's also our duty as men to step into our roles so that those, that marriage is being nourished and taken care of. Um, and I like what you and I talked about, you know, before the podcast of the fact that like, and and you mentioned this briefly as well of the fact that your dad encouraged you that, you know, when you said, Hey dad, I want to be a pilot. Knowing very well, the demographic of most pilots, your dad didn't say, Oh, well, I don't want you going into that, uh, industry because it's very male dominated and you're going to get your throat stomped on and you're going to get, you know, talked bad about and this side or the other, your dad said, okay, that's what you want to do as a father. I'm going to prepare you as best as possible to step into that situation. And it doesn't matter that that's a male dominated industry. I'm going to make you as capable as possible to do that job, regardless of whether you're a, or a, a man, a man or a woman. 
Um, so in kind of closing and more, uh, career specific, are there any, um, misconceptions about the male dominance, quote unquote, in the aviation industry or, uh, you know, the, you know, they, they call it AIDS, you know, aviation induced divorce syndrome and, you know, all of that. Like, could you shed some light on that real quick for people of, you know, is it a misconception? Is it true? If it is true, how do you overcome that? If it isn't true, why is it, you know, a misconception, you know, that kind of thing? Absolutely. Um, aviation in general, across the board, it's about 96% male. Yeah. Um, a lot of that, a lot of people will peg that on it being super sexist, and that just isn't the truth. Um, at the end of World War II, there was a giant aviation boom. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of whenever the airlines started up and airmail and all this crazy stuff ha- started happening. And all these pilots that were trained were military. And at the time, only men could serve in the military. And that's who we had on hand to fly our civilians in this giant aviation boom. Right. And for years and years and years, the, the only way to be able to fly civilians was to go through the military to get your flight training. Right. And only men could do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, only men serving in our military was very intentional by design, um, not sexist in and of itself, if you ask me. Uh, you don't. You did not want women fighting World War II for you. I promise. We would have broken some nails. Yeah, <laughs> that was n- not that any conflict since hasn't been rough, but um, yeah. yeah, that was an especially difficult time. So, like I was saying, it's uh, it's male dominated, but not for any particular sexist reason. It's all these military pilots post World War II, right? Entered, and then you know, traditionally, and. Traditionally, it was just all all men, and the lack of representation, just kind of, and the fact that it's flying, it's not necessarily something women were like encouraged to do yep. at the time. And as society has developed, um, the industry has been very open, you know, open arms to me. I've had a great time. I've been able to succeed. Um, you face a little bit of adversity, but I would say ninety five percent of the men I encounter are more than happy to have me there. Um, I do not feel, you know, ostracized in any way, Yeah. Uh, especially at the airlines, you know, that's so many men, but I meet so many older male pilots who are so excited to see young women get into Yeah. The Cause industry. it's their passion. Right. And they want to see right. people regardless of gender, they want to see people that care about it, uh, Absolutely. entering into that field. So. And that's something I'm really passionate about is getting more little girls in aviation and just mm-hmm. so much of it is exposure to the field and seeing someone who looks like you flies you know yeah. a woman and yeah. so that's something i'm really passionate about um but to touch quickly on aviation induced divorce syndrome <laughs> that is that is pretty common there's quite a yeah. bit of uh, quite a bit of dirty laundry and skeletons in the closet when it comes to male pilots and flight attendants and mm-hmm. that whole thing um there's a lot that happens behind closed doors. A lot there. of people How think I that's think. totally made up too. And it's, it's, can, not. it's totally not. It's totally not yes. made up. <laughs> if you are honest with your spouse and open, it's very avoidable. Um, a lot yeah. of it has to do with the character of the person that, oh, the 100%. People that are involved. But, um, yeah. Um, yeah, I just think 
it's so important. Um, and I'm so glad to have Sophie on as, as one of our first guests of what do women have to bring to the table that men don't or what do women bring to the table that enhances what a, a man already brings to the table. So I think this has been a fantastic conversation and I know we've both got to work tomorrow and stuff. So <laughs> we'll uh, start wrapping up here, but are there any um, things that you'd like to tell maybe a guy that's struggling with how knowing how to step into his um, masculine identity or uh, is in a struggling marriage or a struggling relationship where he's feeling confused as to what his role is as a man in the world. Um, what, what advice is a woman would you give to, to someone who might be struggling in that way? Have those uncomfortable conversations. I think a lot of issues in relationships and marriages come out of complacency and women mm -hmm. not challenging their husbands and husbands not challenging their wives in the ways that we've discussed prior. Get uncomfortable. You should never be complacent. There should always be something you guys are working on and you guys need to be fighting for this common goal in this family unit. Um, yeah. You guys are offset there you know you need to have this a little bit of a come to jesus meeting and reset this goal and start fighting towards it together and get uncomfortable um it's not fun to do it's it's you know it's uncomfortable but that's the whole point um yeah we really get to a point in our lives or in our relationships where we're truly complacent and just cozy you know, yeah. you should always have a little bit of a fire in you on how can I fight for my person a little bit extra today? And what can we be doing together to reconnect if we've kind of fallen off or have been away from each other for a long period of time? Um, but get uncomfortable and know, you know, raise those standards for your wife and challenge her, but also protect her and give her a space where she can do what she's designed to do for you and you can fulfill your roles as well. That's so good. Yeah. Um, yeah, you hit the nail on the head with that one 100%. I think that, yeah, I mean, I don't even need to say anything more. Like, that's that's 100% valid. And and guys, like, take heart in that and, and use that as encouragement that, you know, <laughs> despite how it feels the majority of women out there don't want to suppress you. They don't want to, uh, actually the majority of women out there want you to step up. I am not so, the only one who feels this way from a woman's perspective. Yeah. There's, do know I'm not the only one. There's so mm. many, especially the single guys fight and look for what you want. Um, and especially yeah, don't settle exactly any women out here too. Um, there are godly men and there are godly mm -hmm. women and we need to make sure that we're holding, holding firm to that and looking for each other and yeah. not settling. So, yeah, that's what it's all about. Um, Sophie, do you have anything else you want to add or, or anything? Not in particular, but thank you okay. so much for having me on. I've had a blast and I really yeah. love the mission of this podcast. And it's been just an honor and a privilege to be able to come on here and ramble for an hour. 
you know? Yeah. What yeah, a platform. I, I know, right? That's <laughs> what I love about podcasting. It's like you and I talked about the other day is uh, Zach, bless his heart. He's so concise and like he, he can get his point out in a couple sentences. I kind of have to talk through uh, what's in, going through my head and, and what I want to put out there. So uh, that's what I love about podcasting and just this platform in general is it's a great space for people to be able to have these types of conversations and, and put that out there. So uh, guys, what are you, you know, unique opportunity to be able to have uh, these conversations with women and with other individuals to be able to facilitate what we're after. And ultimately that's becoming godly men and, like this just, you know, it's such a refreshing conversation to have with somebody that's of a different perspective and has different experiences and different, you know, all of that to just hear their perspective and to, uh, you know, like we talked about, the last thing we want to do is, is create an echo chamber for ourselves. So again, guys, thanks so much for, for joining us on this one. It's been fun. Uh, number one, just to catch up with Sophie, cause we've been friends for a long time and, and also to, you know, kind of hear her thoughts and talk on a deep level, um, and kind of revisit some of these conversations that I can promise you her and I have had before. Um, cause I think this is both, uh, near and dear to both of our hearts. So, um, guys, if, if you learned something from this, or if you think that, uh, something that we talked about in this podcast was valuable to someone in your life, please share it. Like I said earlier, follow us on Instagram at young codgers podcast, uh, and email us any questions you have at ask codgers at young codgers.com. So we'll wrap it up. Sophie, thank you again so much for joining us. And I hope that this is not the last time that, uh, we have you on the podcast. So you're so welcome. Thank you for having me. All right. We'll see you later. All right. Bye-bye.